Hey, well, I just want to say welcome to all of our first-time guests. Come on, can we give them a round of applause? Welcome them today. Hey, we're so glad that you're here, and if you're joining us online, we want to say a special welcome to you as well. Uh, thanks for tuning in from home or wherever you're at. Uh, today, Jessica and I get to wrap up a series that we've been in for the last seven or eight weeks or so called Different. And so um, I want to do a quick recap, and then we'll do, I'll just do some quick introductions. I, I know many of you, and Jessica knows many of you, but maybe, maybe it's not the other way. Maybe Maybe there's some of you that know Jessica that don't know me and vice versa. And so I want to be able to introduce ourselves as well. But if you're just joining us, we spent seven weeks in a series called Different. And really what this, is, this series has been for us, it's, it's been a series on making choices that, that align our hearts and our lives more with Jesus and look very different from culture. Uh, really, it's, it's been a series that has reminded us that living different is better because living different is, is aligned more with the calling that Jesus has on our lives. And so when we, uh, when we get to live lives that are different, we're looking more like Jesus. Uh, one week we talked about changing our clothes and instead of living with worry and anxiety, it's instead we're putting on the fruit of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace. peace patience, pa- kindness, goodness, Anybody know that song, your church kid? <laughs> love, joy, hey, let me do this singing. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You should just sing the rest of the No, list. no, I can't do that. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, talking, it's talking about wearing the fruit of the Spirit, changing our clothes away from anxiety and worry, and instead putting on the fruit of the Spirit. Another week, we talked about giving God the first. And, and if, if you're new to the church world, or maybe you haven't heard the word tithe, it's talking about giving a tithe to God, giving the first fruits of what we get to give to him, because it's all his anyway. The next week, we talked about living in freedom from debt. And so it, it talked about what does it look like to, to not be in chains from debt of this world, but instead to, to live in freedom. And then last week, Pastor Tim talked about living a life of margin. Not just margin with our finances, but margin with our time, with our resources, with all that God has given us. And so really today is just going to be a conversation that wraps all of that up. Pastor Tim asked both Jessica and I just to be able to kind of put a bow on the series and say, hey, this is, you know, we've talked about a lot of different choices that we can make in life. And here, here's an example from our lives of some choices that we've made that we feel like has aligned our lives with the way that Jesus wants us to live, with the way that Jesus wants us to walk. So today's a conversation, and I think some of the best conversations are those when you know the people that you're sitting down with really well. You know, some of the best conversations I've had have been over a dinner table with some of my closest friends. It's because I know them. I can be vulnerable. I can be mean. So this is not going to help us be super vulnerable, but it might take us a little bit closer. Right, so here, a little bit about us. I'm Trey, so Jessica, we have three boys who are very calm all the time, yes, mild-mannered mm. all the time. You won't ever see them running around the foyer afterward with, church who kids. knows, yeah, they're church, church kids. Um, we moved up to Ohio seven-ish years ago from the great country of Texas, and so we have, <laughs> so we're cowboys, we actually had horses and and ca- no, <laughs> no, no, we didn't. But um, we are so grateful to get to be here uh, and get to, to step into, you know, this, this church has been um, not just a dream job for me, but a, a, a life-fulfilling uh, place where God has taught me so much. Yeah. And I, it's been Community that for our, and family. Yeah, it's been that for our family, uh, I know. And so um, thank you for uh, welcoming the Cowboys from Texas here 
to uh, X Church in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we're so grateful to get to be here. But today, um, quick conversation about what it means to be different. But before we do that, I got three questions for you. Me? Yeah, for you, because I want them to know you. Um, and just to, just to get to know you a little bit better. Let me see. First question, what in your 21 years of life has been Thanks. your most favorite vacation that we've taken or you've taken? Oh, that's a good one. I love traveling, but I think one of our favorite, my favorite vacation was when we got to go to Europe. You and I, I just graduated college. This was before we had kids. And we got to go to Paris and London. And I just remember thinking, God is so big just to see the world. So that was really life-giving to me. But Yeah. Question number two, um, summer or winter? Summer. 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 Who's Anybody with Anybody like winter here? I kind of like winter. Okay. Ooh. We got some. We got Ooh. Jay likes winter. <laughs> I like winter. Uh, third question. When we first met, when you were 15 and I was 16, do you remember what you were wearing? Oh, yeah. Hot pink pants. That's right. That's what caught my eye across the room. 16-year-old boy. <laughs> Move on. I'm going vulnerable, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. My question's for you. Okay. Uh, first, what are your favorite hobbies? Um, I love to be outside. I love to work out. I love to read. What kind of books? I, mm, you know, smart ones. Like, nerdy ones. Yeah, nerdy ones. I like science fiction fantasy books, but I like, I like you know, I, I like a lot of books. I like a lot of different types. But. All right, what is your favorite genre of music? That's a hard one, too, because I It's I probably mean, worship, isn't no. it? <laughs> I love worship music, um, but I, I love just like singer-songwriter, um, indie pop. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't like country. Sorry. Yeah. Got some fans in the back. <laughs> All right, one last question. Okay. We're going real deep. What is your greatest fear? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's pretty. I feel like it's really surface, but it's for real. Um, I I have a really big fear of walking into a room, and people are. What's that? What's that smell? <laughs> Because I don't want to smell bad. And I just, I don't want to. You wanna, have never smelled bad. I know, bad. but I don't. I, that's, I you will asked say that. my, that's for real. That's for real. I don't want to smell bad. My greatest fear is I don't want to stink. All right. Moving on. That's not weird. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, just a little bit about ourselves. And Pastor Tim asked us, like you said, to wrap up this series. And I'm really quite not sure if being asked to wrap up the series titled Different is a good thing or well, that's a good thing. Does mean we're weird? I mean okay. you walk around with different hair every about month and a half. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But beyond your different hairstyles and you know everything, I think that we've kind of been different, we've kind of made different choices ever since we've been a couple. Like you said, we dated early and young and people said that's not working out. I mean like it worked out. It did? Yeah. <laughs> or, and then we got married young. We got married at 21, 22, and people also said, the choice you're making right now is probably not the smartest. It's not going to work out. And it did. And, I mean, even down to choices about our, our career or yeah. your career is, 
You know, you had a family business that provided so well for your family, um, and you were given the opportunity to step in to that, and um, your grandpa just had a great legacy of the family business, and he had asked someone to step into that, and when given the opportunity, you had a different call. You had a different call on your life, and that was to work at a church, despite you swearing you'll never work in a church. Well, you're here. Don't tell God that you won't do something, because you will. (laughs) That's pretty good advice. But, um, and then that, that same call, uh, working in the church, brought us to Ohio. And the thing about that is we moved with no friends up here and no family. We didn't know a single soul, but we, we felt called to make that choice. And it looked really different because we could have stayed in comfort and in a bubble. And everything was going to be fine where we were at. But I can't even begin to put into words what that different choice did for our marriage and our family. It just looked different. So Yeah, and I think like the, the reason we're the reason we're here is not to say look at everything that we did, we have things figured out. No. <laughs> because <laughs> we do not. But uh, w- whenever you learn something, do you ever like to ask somebody else who's gone and done something similar? And then you can pull some of that insight and maybe you're not doing everything that they have done or doing exactly what they have prescribed, but maybe something in that spurs on some thoughts to maybe take some steps in that direction. That's our heart for today, is we don't have it figured out. Yeah. We don't have it figured out. But, but we've, we've made mistakes, and we've also made some choices that I firmly believe has put us in a place of, uh, of God's blessing. Yeah. And we want that for you. Yeah. And so I don't know, you know, through this series, if you've asked yourself the question, what am I doing to be different? Or what am I doing to kind of look different from those people around me? Maybe you haven't made different choices, and that's okay. And, or maybe you have made different choices. I don't know. Maybe you are a student in high school or middle school, and all of your friends are making those choices, and you are choosing to be different and not go down that same path that you see your friends doing, not doing everything else that everybody is doing. Or maybe, you know, in the business world, you have a career where you're in leadership and you've had some opportunities to strike some good deals, but you've chosen to guard your integrity instead, and so you've missed out on some of those deals. Or What about, like, you see something shiny and new and you just want to buy it? And so oh, yeah, just, impulse. So, but you choose not to. Because you're choosing saving or being wise or self-control with your finances. Um, Or maybe you have chosen a set of morals and values and you're not going to compromise. And so you've lost friends or family members or even a spouse because you've chosen those things to look different than those around you. I don't know what those choices are for you or ways that you've looked different. But I do know that there is this one little story in in the Bible, and it's about seven verses, and it's tiny, but the decision that this woman made in the story was starkly different than those around her. Yeah. So if you have your um, Bible or your electronic device, go ahead and turn to Mark 14. We're going to read out of there. So I'll read it for us here. All right, Mark chapter 14, verse 3. While he was in Bethany, and he, that's Jesus, while Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table In the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. 
Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor, will always ha- the poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. I love this part. Verse 8, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So that, that last verse is very true, that wherever the gospel is preached, we're going to hear that story because we're hearing it today. And, and let me summarize a little bit of this story. You have a woman who's, who's uh, with a group of people, including Jesus, sitting down for a meal, and she goes and she takes one of her most prized possessions. So think about maybe what's your most prized possession. She goes and takes it, says it's worth over a year's worth of wages. So maybe do the math in your brain about what that would be for you. And she pours it over Jesus. And this story is actually called the anointing at Bethany because what she's doing is she's anointing Jesus. She's saying, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that what I have is it pales into comparison to who you are. So I'm going to give you my most prized possession in this moment. And so she's, she's telling Jesus, you're Jesus. I'm going to take what I have and I want you to do, I want you to, to do with it what you want. Yeah, she took what she had, what was in her possession, and she did what she could. And she had a choice to make. I mean, we talked about decisions and choices um, and how they might look different. And this was a very, very different choice because she had the choice to either hold or release. And in this one moment, she chose to release it. And I think the same the same question is on the table for all of us today is, are we going to look around and think around what we have? Are we going to hold it on for us or save it, you know, for some other time? Are we going to release it into God's hands? Because when we release the things of our possessions into God's hands, he can do way more than we could ever do with what we have. And so I think just as our story, you know, being able to share different parts of our story, just little snippets of it. Um, It's it's about um, us releasing the things that we've had in our possession and what God has done with them. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to kind of focus in, I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can take this story and apply it to your life because there's a lot of things that we treasure, a lot of things that we hold tightly to. But for us, we want to walk through just a few of the last couple weeks of the different series uh, and, and how, it, how it pertains to this story. And so back to a couple weeks ago when we talked about giving God the first. You know, our story, uh, our, our tithing journey uh, began way before we got married. It began, you know, I remember sitting in uh, Southern Baptist Church growing up in Texas. Um, there were probably some people wearing cowboy hats because we were in Texas. And we, no, but I remember like the maroon carpet the maroon pews. Stained glass windows. Stained glass windows, sitting next to my dad. And my dad would, every week, he would, he would write a check. Uh, and, and he didn't, you know, necessarily say, you know, this is what I'm doing but in that, in that moment. But, but that, was a, that was a foundational building block for me of, like, my, I, I see my dad every week giving his tithe to the church. And it's something he did, he did all the time. All the time. Um, and then I, I think to, 
you know, what it means to, what it means to give. Pastor Tim talked about a couple weeks ago that, uh, that when we give, it's not just the act, it's the heart and the mindset that we walk into, into it with. And uh, I, I like to look at it as like parts of an equation because what we know from what Scripture teaches us, what the Bible teaches us, and, and even what my dad taught me, my mom taught me growing up, is that uh, when we give, God's going to honor that with his blessing. But if we give with only the mindset of, I'm doing this so that I'll get blessed, that's just focusing in on one part of a, of a, a lot bigger equation. And, and, and so I've, this is something that I think we were always going to have to wrestle with because there is that truth that when we give, God will bless us. But if, if that's why we're stepping into it, we're missing, we're missing the whole thing. We're missing the, the full picture of that. Yeah, I think so. part of our journey in that, I mean, like, you know, it's not always easy. It's something that we've chosen to do, but not always the easiest. And I, you think after a certain amount of time, this should get easier, but it's, it's not that way all the time. But one thing that I f- feel like we've probably learned in the journey of giving God our first is um, that we've learned that our relationship with God is not, I mean, our, pre, our, our giving is not a prerequisite to our relationship with God because God's love is not like that. It's not attached um, to giving. But uh, what I feel like we've probably learned over the years is that we have learned parts about God that I don't think that we could have ever learned unless we were to give him that jar. Uh, in our finances, the first, you know, 10%. And I don't think that we could have ever learned just the deep parts about God's character unless we release that to him. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it, for, for us, when we, when we first got married, it was a choice that we made. It was a jar that we had to release to Jesus and say, this is, this is the choice that we're going to make. We're going to choose that this is the time that we're going to release this to Jesus. And I remember, um, our first week in marriage. This is not marriage advice, okay? So if you're close to that or, uh, or thinking about getting married someday, don't do this. But I remember sitting on our apartment floor. I don't... Probably because we didn't have couches. Yeah. I don't know. Living that, living that broke <laughs> yeah, life. But it was right after our honeymoon, sitting on, the, on, the, on our apartment floor, and um, I kind of looked at Jessica. I'm like, all right, what am I going to do to make money? <laughs> Why did and, my dad say yes to you? <laughs> Why did you? Um, but, you know, I, and I had, you know, I did photography and I did music, so I had contract work that I would do. But, but it was in that moment that, you know, it probably would have been easy for us to scrounge every little bit of money to, so that we could survive. But we chose in, the, we chose in that, those very early stages of our marriage to, to give our first fruits to God, no matter what that was. And I could list out. Blessing after blessing mm-hmm. after provision mm-hmm. after just incredible stories mm-hmm. of how God, is, how God has honored that in our life. And, and I know it's a big statement, but we are living proof, and we can testify to it that giving God the first is tethered to God's blessing yeah. because we've seen it. Yeah. We've seen it in our lives. We believe it, and, and it, it's, it's not been easy. It's been something that we have to fight for and kind of kind of revisit often, but... Yeah, I remember after that very first initial deciding that that's what we were going to do, uh, the next day that we had that conversation of you asking what we're going to do to make money, your grandpa called you and said, you know, I know that you're traveling and doing music or whatever, but when you're here, you can come work. Yeah. And that, I remember just tears, like 
God plan. has already provided. Remember the, remember the car? The car. And so, like, early, like first couple of weeks, we knew that we need to replace her car. Didn't have the faintest idea how to do it, but um, her, her grandmother called. She was going into a assisted living home, and she said, why don't you just take it? Yeah. And just that take it. That was a huge that, blessing I mean, for that, us. Yeah, set us up. And, and I, I truly do believe that those are just pictures of God's blessing. Yeah. And, um, and God doing what he says he'll do. Yeah. And then I think another jar in our, in our finances that we've released was kind of circling around what Pastor Tim talked about a few weeks ago, and that was debt. And when we choose to not live in debt, we have this area and this space of freedom. And we were really blessed to be able to walk into our marriage with no debt. But I think that the choice came when we said we're going to stay there yeah. and, you know, not choose not to go into debt. And so I think that looked different at that point within a lot of uh, couples around us because, you know, instead of going out to eat every week, we were eating beans and rice and scrambled eggs. And, I mean, I think that, you know, just God blessing that choice of saying, you know, together we're not going to go into debt. And God has really just bless that decision. And what I like to think of that helped us when that was a budget, we were gifted Financial Peace University, which by the way, Monday, this past Monday, we had 30 people come to our yeah. Financial Peace University class. And that class, we were gifted that as a wedding gift. And that is by far the most important um, most meaningful wedding gift that we were ever given because it set us on the trajectory to financial freedom just from the very beginning, and it's never too late yeah. for that. Yeah, I think, I think that's something to, to take away from today is it's not too late. You know, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about maybe, maybe happened 15 years ago when we first got married, some of these choices, but we can start this today. Yeah. You can join Financial Peace University today, yeah. and you can be on the path financial freedom. Yeah, but like I said, like the what really helped us stay out of debt was budgeting. And I feel like that word is kind of like nails on a chalkboard. I love budgeting. No, you don't. No, you don't. But I mean, I think maybe another no, another name for budgeting could be planning. Yeah. Um, but I feel like when we chose to start that journey of budgeting between us, um, you know, I if you've been around here for any length of time, we've talked about journaling and I mean like writing your prayers out and your thoughts to God and being able to look back onto those journals to see that God's has like his provision, his faithfulness, a budget works the same way in your finances. I feel that, you know, kind of a couple weeks ago, I was digging through a few of our documents downstairs and I found our very first budget from 2007. <laughs> and to be able to see those numbers, I mean, it was like scratched out and erased and, you know, what, like, a big question mark because there was always more month at the end than there was money. Yeah. And just to look back on God's faithfulness, that's what a budget has done for in, in our marriage is that we can look back and see in the times we thought that was not going to work, God made a way. And so budgets are a lot like that, like a journal to be able to look back at God's faithfulness. But another area that a budget has helped between us has helped us to live in freedom and to be able to give freedom to us to, you know, not only in our time and our finances, but just as in our marriage, it's given a lot of freedom. I think that 
you know, you get married and you've already got the strain of like trying to figure two people out in the communication and then just heap some kids on top of that and figure out the communication with that. And then just go ahead and put all the finances and the stress and the burden can just become very heavy. And I feel for us, a plan or a budget helped us maintain some of that freedom. I think, you know, if you're like me and you love budgeting and that's all you think about and the charts and the numbers and the graphs and um, you, you know, a plan is really good. But if you're not like me and it just kind of stresses you out and it, it, you know, thinking about budgeting, you, you might need like a 24 to 48 hour notice of if we're going to have a budgeting conversation. Jessica does that for me mm-hmm. because I just need, I need to be prepared. Uh, but, but it's a mindset thing, right? If you can go into your budgeting time with the mindset of this is, this is a plan that I'm putting in place so that I can live in more financial freedom rather than financial restriction. And so that's, you know, that's a mindset shift that, you know, I, I have to make all the time. And, and because the numbers don't add up all the time. Nope. They don't, but, but God provides. Yeah. And it might not be in the exact way that, that you would want it to or have it drawn up, but, but God provides. Yeah, and I think another area that we've seen practically about, you know, teaching um, or, or living into this, you know, area of freedom has been teaching our kids about it as well. I know for me, being a mom of three boys, in, in my mind, you know, we've experienced some of the financial freedom of like the, the little tiny decisions along the way. And we're finally getting to a place where we're seeing some of those kind of become fruit. And so I think a big thing for us is that we also want to teach our children about debt because I want my children to live in financial freedom. And so what am I doing? It's kind of caused me to ask the question, what am I doing to teach my kid about finances? And so I feel like when we had babies, we were having little conversations along the way. I mean, conversations such so simple like, who made the trees? Who made the sky? Who made the clouds? And so we're teaching our kids about who the creator is. And then we're tucking them into bed and we're saying, God, thank you for my house. Thank you for the food in my belly. And we're teaching them about the, you know, the provider of these things. And they start to draw lines as they get older, that the, the, the line between the creator and the provider, and it's cultivating this, you know, thankfulness and this generosity. I think it's so important for kids to know that. And then we're raising elementary kid age, you know, kids right now. Yeah. And for us, that looks like, do you, this is just, just mm, those aisles going up to the cash register in stores that are doused oh, with toys and them. just really good stuff. No, my kids. And when I take all three of my kids through a store that have all that stuff in it, it's mommy, can I have this? Mommy, can I have this? Mommy, why can't I do this? And I think it's a teaching opportunity to say, no, we're not buying that because we are saving for plan for this. Right. And you know, as much as they don't like hearing no, I know that it's cultivating a spirit of self-control in them and them seeing us say no to big and shiny and new things. And it has just developed that within them. And, you know, we haven't raised teens yet, but in my mind, I think I want to teach my kid about, um, or my, my teen about, you know, compound interest and what does that look like to save for something that you really, really want. And I, You can teach them that. I won't. We've had friends along the way that have raised teenagers before us and, you know, they'll do something like a dollar for dollar match. Like if you want that car or if you want that gaming PC or whatever, then you can save up, you know, however much money and I'll match you dollar for dollar. 
because it's teaching them some of these principles very, very young. And I think overall, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I feel like we have just learned that over the, I mean, every time that we sit down and do something like a plan or a budget, it's that we're, we're asking God, what is the wise thing to do? What can we do with the things that we have to honor you? And it might be what, something that we want really quickly, but what we've learned is that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of practices that you can put in place, whether you like budgeting or, or, or not, to, to, to put a plan, put a plan for your finances. It's saying, God, take this jar that you have given me. It's yours anyway, but take the jar, and I'm, I'm going to take what I have which is my budget, which is my finances, and I'm going to release it to you. So I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to release it to you. And, and just what we've seen within, within budgeting and the choice to stay out of debt is we've, we've seen that a prudent plan destroys debt. Mm-hmm. It destroys it because when you make that choice and then you plan to stay, to stay free from that, uh, you're, you're taking steps to live quite a bit differently than, than most of culture living your life in in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And then Pastor Tim talked about margin last week. I think that was probably my favorite out of all of them. Um, You know, not only margin, I think it applies to so many areas of life because it's not only margin in your finances, but margin with your time. And I think that as a family of five, that time is so precious and so valuable that it's had us asking, where are we creating, um, patterns and rhythms that we're creating this time to create margin for us as a family. And then also on top of that, like generosity, where are we creating margin in our finances to be able to be generous to those around them? Yeah. And I think when, when we look at margin and generosity and, and it, it, let's go back to the first two things that we talked about. It's, it's in giving God your first. When you give God your first, you're kind of prioritizing in a way that is going to allow you to, to make a plan mm-hmm. so that you can plan for margin. And, um, you know, it's, it's, we have seen in our life, the, you know, early on and, and even still today when, you know, little things like people taking us out to eat and paying for our dinner. Um, I remember when we first got married, like, I just wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to take people out to dinner and pay for it. But we couldn't because we didn't have enough money and so how do we plan to get there, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, you know, you, you, you got to get creative with how you build in this, you know, build in within your budget how to, how to be generous. And so, you know, yes, we give and we tithe, but we've also, we've also created a for others category in our budget. Mm-hmm. And it, it, start, you know, it can start with adding $10. Maybe just don't get those two, you know, Starbucks coffees and put that $10 into a for others account. So then next time, when you feel like the, maybe the spirit of God is leading you to sit down with somebody, you can say, hey, I'll buy your coffee. Let's meet up. Yeah. Because that, that's going to stir within them uh, this, this generosity because they're, they're going to do that. Yeah. Because it's, it's contagious. Generosity yeah. is contagious. We've seen that. I, mean, I think that that's because that we've been recipients of people's generous time. I know for me, I had women pouring time into my life at a, at a young age outside of like my family and my mom. Um, I had women pouring into me. And so that's a big goal of mine now is that I was poured into 
and I was given someone's time, how can I give my time to someone else? And I think also with generos- generosity, we've been on the recipient end of someone being generous to us, and it makes us want to be able to be generous for others, but it wasn't always possible. And when we, you know, when we started to put in those, you know, practices of maybe saving a little bit here and there, it became, it could become a part of the way that we do life. Yeah, I think when, you know, when we're talking about margin and generosity, uh, it, it might feel like uh, I'll never get to that point or I'll never be able to have time to be able to pour into other people or I'll, I'll, never, I'll never have money that I can just buy somebody's dinner. We, we can, you just have to choose it. Okay, and it can start, margin of generosity, it can start now. Mm-hmm. Because it can, it can literally be, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not go out to eat. And I'm going to save that money so that I can give it to somebody else. And that's a little thing, but it's a step that, that I, I promise you, God will honor. And you will see, you will be blessed, blessed by it more than, more than they will. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the way that you get there, like you said, is saving. A little yeah. by a little. And I think, you know, Pastor Tim just touched on saving really quickly, but, you know, in our life, we haven't always been able to save because, you know, raising three boys and just, you know, we're a one-income family. And Costco. And Costco. Does anybody Costco fans? Oh, man. We've got some conversion to do. (laughs) Well, so, you know, we... We have saved a little bit along the way. We always haven't been able to save. But when, when we got a little bit of that margin, just a little bit of that margin, when we have been able to save, we've had to be very uh, meticulous and we've had to have a vision for where that saving specific. is going. Very mm-hmm. specific, yeah. yeah. So I think of things like Acorn as an app where you can you know, round up your purchases to the nearest dollar and it goes into a, like, an account. And to be specific at the end of the year, being able to use that for something else. I mean, I'm thinking like Christmas. We know Christmas comes around every single year. and So you plan for it. So you plan for you it. budget for it every month. Yeah, and I think that, you know, just getting creative with saving your money makes all the difference. But I think saving in general, it makes me think of the woman in the story. I mean, she was obviously saving that jar for something. And at just the right time, she knew when to use it. And I think that the same question is on the table for us today, is what's in our possession? And if we can release that, what, do we, what, what's, what is that going to be used for? Um, because the woman was scrutinized by the disciples, but she was praised by Jesus. And she was looked at as unintelligent by those around her, but she was wise in the face of Jesus. And so my question and all of this has me thinking, what happens when we make choices to live differently? I think they start out at very, very small choices. But even those very little choices that you make to be different will snowball and they will become bigger and bigger and the choices will become bigger. And then what happens is that you're living a life that looks differently. And it's all when we choose to say yes to the little choices. Because as we say yes to those little choices, they become bigger and bigger. And then people around you take notice. And I know this sounds simple, but the woman in the story, she had a bottle of perfume and you think, sure, like it was broken, it probably smelled. But I think that there's something more significant 
at play going on here because this story is told in three different gospel accounts. And in John's account, it actually says very explicitly, in the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And I don't think it's only talking about the smell here. I think it's significant because it reminds me in the Old Testament when a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice was made, it smelled. And following those words, that act in the Old Testament, every time is followed by this phrase, and the Lord was pleased with the aroma. And then also in the New Testament, we're under a new covenant. We, it's a new sacrifice. And in the most famous verse in the Bible, perhaps, John three sixteen, it says that for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. God gave his most prized possession. And at the very, the very right time, Jesus released his life for you and for me. And it, was a, it made a fragrant aroma because it was an act of worship. And it has me thinking about this verse in Ephesians where it says to be imitators of God to be imitators of God, just like Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. It was an act of worship. So when we say yes to him and no to the world, we put off this fragrance. When we say yes to the different choices that look like Jesus, it fills the house, it fills your life, it fills all the spaces around you with an aroma. And that is the aroma of Christ. I wanna read this verse from 2 Corinthians. It says, but thanks be to God who uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God, the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. I don't think it's a a coincidence that Paul was saying this verse and thinking about the sacrifices that were made in the Old Testament and what Jesus did with his life. He released it to us as an aroma, as an act of worship. And so we're to be imitators of that same thing because God gave his most prized possession and it makes a fragrant offering to him. So this this is what I want us to get from today. It's, it's something that, that God has put on our hearts and what we try to orient our lives around, but it's, it's similar to what the woman in the story, it's when we, take, when we take our possessions, when we take what we have and we release it, release it to Jesus, we do what we can. You know what that means? I don't gotta worry, because I smell good. I'm not going to stink anymore because I have the aroma of Jesus on me. That's right. Because my life looks different. That's that's good news. Mm. Let's stand together. So he uses us to spread the aroma. He uses the smell of our different choices to look more like him. So the response today... I don't know what's in your possession, but I think the question is, will you release it? Maybe it's a a situation that you have. Maybe you need to release that situation. Maybe it's your career. You need to release your career to, to him 
so he can build it and he can make himself famous through your career. Maybe it's your house. Maybe you need to leverage your house and and release it to him. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe you want to get out of debt. Maybe you want to start giving. I don't know. Maybe it's your life. Maybe you've been hearing these messages over the past seven weeks and you're thinking, I don't really know how to live different, but maybe it's your life that you can release into the hands of a good savior today. But right now, would you just maybe, if you're comfortable, turn your your hands up in 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 a position of surrender. I don't know what you need to release today, but let's pray. God, today we come and we say that that all that we have, we're releasing to you. God, I pray that you would put within our minds uh, specifics, specific places that we need to release our control, release our hold over to you, God, because you can do so much more with it than we ever could. God, I pray for, um, God, maybe somebody in this room who, who feels like they have tried to hold on to their own life and control over the direction and the trajectory of their life, God, I pray that you would allow them to let go of that control today and give it to you. God, I pray that our lives would imitate the most perfect creator, the most perfect God. Jesus, we trust you with all that we have. God, we might need to see that every day that we wake up. We trust you. I trust you today. But God, today we trust you. Take what we have and God, we release it to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We want to connect with you, and we want to be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church, or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.